Welcome to Red Leg Nation Radio, your home for discussion and analysis of Cincinnati Reds baseball all year long. Now here's your host, Chad Dotson. Hello everyone, welcome back to Red Leg Nation Radio. This is episode number 161. I am Chad Dotson, and with me again is uh, my good friend and uh, your good friend, Jason Linden. How are you today, Jason? I am splendid. Always splendid, Chad. Always splendid. That's true. You're always in a good mood, and it really makes me nervous. You need to be uh, more like the Twitter eggs and be angry about uh, things more often. I don't have. I don't have enough energy for that. <laughs> exactly. Baseball is supposed to be fun, right? Yes, baseball is supposed to be fun. Well, and and that's really we ought to get credit for trying to continue to remember that baseball is supposed to be fun, given the fact that we are following the Cincinnati Reds every day because sometimes it's not so fun but there's always fun things to talk about and, and I, there are a few of those I want to talk about um, but uh, I'm just glad to get to talk to you after the problems we've had with Skype this evening trying to connect with each other Jason what, what are you doing over there man I can't I couldn't connect um, with you I'm personally breaking Skype every 30 seconds that's what I'm doing oh my goodness you are trying to log in and it's it's all my fault I mean <laughs> It's not. I have involved. two children, and I'm a high school teacher. It's okay. Everybody can blame everything on me. <laughs> yeah, you're used to uh, collecting that blame. Um, yeah, I, I had to log in, and then it had to send me some kind of an access code uh, through my phone, and then uh, it, it locked me out, and then it had to send me another access code. I had to input three different access codes, or whatever they're called, to get into my Skype account so that we could just talk and uh, record a podcast. It really shouldn't be that difficult to talk about the Reds. It shouldn't. It shouldn't. I agree. But you know the fact that we've gone through all that trouble just to talk about the Reds, uh, I guess that uh, demonstrates our bona fides. Now, the Reds' uh, spring training sort of taking shape a little bit. We're starting to see what uh, guys may make the roster. We know some of the guys that won't be making the opening day roster. And uh, Do you have any just sort of overall thoughts before we dig into some of the specifics about what we've seen from the Reds uh, during spring training here? We're, we're getting pretty close here, just a couple of weeks from opening day. Any sort of overarching thoughts, Jason? Yeah, I mean, I think we've kind of seen largely what we've expected to see. Uh, you know, I think if you'd, if you'd have guessed the most likely roster scenario back in mid-May, or mid-March, rather, um, I think uh, I think this is probably what we're going to end up with, with the exception of a couple of injuries, is pretty close to what you would have guessed. Um, you know, I think uh, among the pleasant surprises, uh, you know, this is a train I've been on for a while, but it seems like people have really been surprised at the rate at which Amir Garrett has emerged and he seems to put himself on the map along with uh with Sal Romano those seem to be the two names that have uh kind of impressed people in a way that that people weren't expecting to be impressed um but otherwise I think it's pretty conventional I think I think things are kind of shaping up like everybody sort of I mean like even Brian Price said beforehand like this is who's going to play where so you know unless that Cozart gets traded to the Yankees I don't think we're going to see any strange surprises and of course that's correct uh, with the exception of the injuries to the pitching staff, everything else has kind of gone as expected in some way. I know you and I both sort of hoped that Jesse Winker would break out a little bit and maybe uh, snag a, a spot on the opening day roster because we're both very high on Winker. And, and Winker was sent uh, option down to AAA today. But that's, that wasn't a big surprise, was it? No, that wasn't. I mean, and even if he had been knocking the cover off the ball, there's the service time issues and all of that stuff. He was pretty unlikely to get an opening day nod. Yeah, I was just hoping he would perform so well 
that it really the Reds felt like, oh, we can't, you know, we we need this guy now, uh, and and that was always a slim chance given the fact that they don't expect to compete this year and and uh so with the service time issues it didn't make a whole lot of sense it's a little different from the chris bryant issue uh from a couple of years ago with the cubs not comparing those two players but just in terms of keeping someone down for service time you know the cubs were sort of expecting to be in the mix uh and and so maybe you make an argument that chris bryant deserves to be there um I think we don't see winker by june first i'll be very surprised and uh, more than a little disappointed i think how about you yeah, I would tend to agree. I mean, I, I guess if we don't see Winker by June 1st, that means one of two things has happened. Either something bad happened to Jesse Winker or um, Adam Duvall and Scott Shebler are both turning into everything that our wildest hopes and dreams have have imagined. Like, you know, um, one of those things is good and one of them is bad. I mean, if, if Duvall and Shebler just make it impossible to unseat them, like, okay, um, that, that falls under the definition of good problems to have. Um, but I, you know, I think, I think Winker is any, any, any second now. I think he's in that category now. Yeah, I agree. And I think there's probably a third, uh, possible option there, which is just that the Reds don't know what they're doing. And, um, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna believe that's the case because I've seen some encouraging things, uh, from the Reds. I think they know what they've got in Winker and I think they value what Winker can bring to the team. Uh, maybe I'm just uh, wishful thinking here, but I, I do believe that. And I think he will be up sooner rather than later, but. You know, the the first option you said there, Shebler and Duvall sort of going nuts a little bit, and uh, they're not being a spot for Winker. Uh, you know, there's not that's not impossible to believe. We saw Duvall do it for a part of a season last year, and I, I've gone on record as saying, in terms of Shebler, you know, I don't know that Shebler is a piece that's going to be with the Reds or be in their lineup long term for the next four or five years, but I do think that. I look around uh, at, the, at some of the players on the team, and I think he is the has more of a chance to break out than almost anyone on the team. And there may be a couple others I would put in that category, but I think that I'm not predicting it's going to happen, but I could absolutely see a scenario, and you don't have to squint too hard to see it, where Scott Schebler, uh has sort of an Adam Duvall type year from last year and really hits with power and uh, makes it really difficult for the Reds to take him out of the lineup. Yeah, and I mean, I think, you correct me if I'm wrong here, but I think unlike Duvall, there was a time when Shebler was was kind of highly touted. Um, sure, yes. I don't think Duvall has ever been, was ever a like, oh, wow, we got to pay attention to this guy prospect. He kind of came out of nowhere, whereas I think Shebler, people were really expecting something out of him. Um, he really just hasn't gotten too much of an opportunity, frankly. Um, he's only, still only played 100 games or so in the majors, so it's not like he's he's really been given a full look yet. Yeah, I saw someone this week, and I think it might have been John Heyman, so I hesitate to uh, to quote this, but just talking about how much uh, Don Mattingly, when he was the manager of the Dodgers, how high he was on Shebler. He was, of course, the manager when Shebler made his Major League debut with the uh, Dodgers. And what I like about Shebler is, yes, he's got the power, and he's destroyed the ball at the AAA level. I mean, he's absolutely – you saw him in Louisville last year, and he was unstoppable, but he's also an athlete. He's a sort of a, I called him a sneaky good athlete this week. He played five sports in high school. He can, he played center field today for the Reds. He can play sort of a passable center field. He's not great there, but he can certainly play a corner outfield spot, a weak arm, but otherwise a good athlete. So, uh, you know, I, I, I don't expect him to do what he did when he was at Louisville last year. Um, but he, I think he can be good. Uh, you did see him at Louisville last year, right? Yes, many times. And he was quite, he was quite something. Um, like he was, he was. I mean, he tore the cover off the ball. That's what he did. Yeah, he's a man among boys. 
he had that period where he kind of scuffled in Cincinnati and then he kind of came down um, and that came with him a little bit um, just briefly. And then boy, once he took off, he really, really, really took off in a big way. Uh, it was, he was fun. Yeah. And, and honestly, he could have been Duvall last year. Uh, mm. They were sort of platooning at the beginning of the year and Duvall uh, Schibler was struggling a little bit and Duvall sort of grabbed the, the brass ring and, and got the opportunity and ended up being an all-star, but it wouldn't take much for that to, uh, wouldn't have taken much for that to have flipped. And, uh, and what I like about Schibler, what I think you like about Schibler, uh, when you compare him to Duvall is the age, you know, he's just, he's much younger and he's got a chance of still improving. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not saying that I'm going to buy Scott Schibler stock, but I'm certainly not selling it. Yeah. Yeah, age twenty six season. There's still, there's still hope. Yeah, uh, have you been surprised to see Eugenio Suarez taking uh, some some reps, playing quite a bit actually, uh, more than I expected anyway at shortstop this spring. Um, I, yeah, I mean, I you know I've kind of floated the idea of Suarez as as sort of the super sub kind of guy, and so I think that's interesting that the Reds are still um, giving him a look there. I also wonder if they're kind of reading the tea leaves and and knowing you know basically looking at Peraza Herrera and Herrera wondering if, what do we do if one of them doesn't work out, you know? Um, and Suarez does have that background at shortstop and we do have Nick Senzel coming. And as we've talked about before, Suarez, unlike all of the other young players has effectively proven himself at the major league level now. Um, so he is, he's more reliable, more of, more of a, a, a known quantity. Um, so yeah, I think, I think that's very interesting. Yeah, and he's still only going to be 25 this year. That's what people kind of – he's like a veteran now with the Reds, but he's only 25. Uh, it's going to be really interesting to see how all that shakes out. Uh, Peraza is certainly going to be in the lineup somewhere. We're thinking second base right now while Cozart's there. And and uh, the, really the only – we talked about the injuries of the pitching staff. Or the only spot amongst the everyday players where something hasn't gone maybe as we expected or as we had hoped is with Dilson Herrera at second base. And, and of course, Herrera's the, uh, the guy that the Reds got from uh, – the Mets in the uh, Jay Bruce trade last uh, August and Herrera has been you talk about hitting the cover off the ball. Herrera has been outstanding at the plate, but he's been sent to the minor league camp as well because he's not been able to play as far as I know, a single inning in the field because of this recurring shoulder issue that doesn't, it doesn't affect his swing, but he can't throw. He can't play in the field. Uh, and yeah, uh, strange. He, he's got some kind of arm issue and, that came up last year when he was in Louisville, almost as soon as he came over. Um, and, you know, all I can say about that is, I'm, you know, I asked about it, and I was, from people who don't normally give no comment, I was given no comment. Well, that's interesting. Uh, you know, and, and that, well, why that is interesting is, you talked about that last year, but even the year before, with the Mets, he had the same problem. Kept him out for a little while. This is three straight years he's had the same issue, and for whatever reason, it's not resolved. And I don't know. Very strange situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. It's it's a little bit of a of an odd thing. And even the way he came over was was such an odd thing. Where shoot, I forget the guy's name now. Who the Reds had negotiated in the Bruce trade came up and failed his physical, and so then really quickly at the deadline, the Reds had to pick someone else, and they grabbed Herrera. Um, and then he comes up hurt. So, well, but let me ask you this: If he, he's not able to play the field right now, why don't the Reds just name him to the Open Day roster and let him play designated hitter? I, I don't understand. Why don't they do that? 
Um, Chadwick, the Cincinnati Reds, the Reds baseball man of Cincinnati, playing something called the National League. Yeah. Uh-huh. And in the National League, um, they play baseball instead of pinball, and the pitcher has to play both sides. And Whoa. so the pitcher has to bat. Yeah, the pitcher has to bat. That's the rule. It's called, like I said, it's called baseball. It's not like beer league softball, like many people are used to in American League cities. Um, well, that's a good rule. I'm glad I'm cheering for a National League team. Yeah, you should be because National League baseball is, uh, uh, you know, better. Yeah, yeah, that was the dumbest uh, 20 seconds we've ever had on this podcast, Jason. And that really says something. <laughs> it does say something. That's a pretty high bar to cross. <laughs> that is a bar to clear. <laughs> so uh, you're right. Uh, Herrera, who knows? He's hitting the ball. We hope that he can play defense because I think he can be a long-term guy at second base. And, and But if he can't, okay, if he can, where does everybody uh, fit in? It just It's a lot of – there are no bad options as far as I'm concerned because I like Herrera, I like Peraza, I like Senzel, I like uh, Eugenio Suarez. And, of course, I like Zach Cozart too, but he's, he's probably not in the plan. So uh, no, bad, no bad options there as far as I'm concerned. Um, uh, other good news, uh, just briefly before we move on to the pitchers, and I think that's really what I wanted to focus on here. We've sort of gotten to talk about some of these other guys, but Devin Miserocco, you know. Uh, Miserocco has been out for the most of the last two years. We all know the story. Uh, the Reds have uh, sort of been counting on him to come back and be their catcher while not really counting on him. They've been, uh, been very cautious. But so far, no setbacks. Not saying he's ready. And there was the – he did say he may not be ready by opening day. Uh, I think he will be on the opening day roster. But uh, he's, he's had no problems catching. Really, his problems have been getting his timing down at the plate, although he's not hitting uh, terribly. He's uh, – you know, he's – that's a – that's a, a reason to smile here in spring training, yeah. just the fact that there have been no setbacks whatsoever. The opening day thing really just seems to be a, I haven't played basically in two years, yeah. and I'm still I'm still readjusting. Um, yeah, I, I mean, cautiously optimistic with, with Mesoraco for certain. And, um, it, and it has to be cautiously given what we've seen the last two years, but um, I'm, glad, I'm glad there's reason to be optimistic. Um, the question is where, when he when is he going to be able to catch sixty percent of the games, fifty percent of the games, whatever whatever their their magic number is, their goal is. Who knows what I mean, that could be? But like body wise, he's ready for that aspect now. I mean, from what I've seen, and I, I, I will confess to have not been in, not being entirely on the news the last week or so, but like from what I've seen, it's really just the hitting. I don't think the the catching is a concern now. It's just making sure that he's ready with the bat. Yeah, I think that's right. I think that's right. So, uh, so for, you know, we're not expecting the Reds to be world beaters offensively. We never said that, but not a whole lot of bad news when it comes to the offensive side of the ledger. Let's move over to the pitching, and um, we've talked about the Anthony DiSclafani injury and the Homer Bailey injury, and they're going to be out for a couple months at least. Uh, you know, well, we don't have to talk about that, but the the upshot from those injuries to uh, to Bailey and especially to DiSclafani is that the Reds announced last week that Scott Feldman, the immortal Scott Feldman, is going to be the opening day starting pitcher for your Cincinnati Reds. Now, Jason, you're going to be in the uh, stadium that day, as I understand it, correct? I, I will be in the stadium, and I expect that um, between myself and Mr. Feldman, it will be one for the ages. <laughs> no doubt. Now, uh, and just so before we uh, dig into that a little, uh, little more, your first opening day. It is. It is my first opening day. I, I am privileged to have a, a ticket, and I intend to have some fun. 
You know, I, I think I, I, I've been to, I think, I think six opening days. Show off. Yeah, I went. I went to. I went to five in a row at one time. I thought I'm going to try to go for the rest of my life. My name's Chad Dotson, and I go to baseball games. <laughs> well, I'm better than you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, it's true that I am better than you, but that's a different conversation for a different podcast. Um, that's on the Chad is Great podcast. Subscribe to it on iTunes. Um, in terms of opening it's the day, first podcast, Chad is not great. <laughs> exactly. Um, no, I went to five opening days and then had kids, and I've not been back since. So if that gives you any idea. Uh, so Scott Feldman was announced as the opening day starter, and whatever. It's Scott Feldman. Uh, I did a spot with uh, WLW, with uh, Rocky Boyman on WLW earlier this week, and he was like, what's this all about? And I said, you know, well, the best I can say is maybe in July when they try to trade him, they can tell people, hey, look, we're offering you opening day starter Scott Feldman. Trade us something of value. <laughs> do you see any well, any other reason for, for Feldman being the star? Yes, I do, actually. Um, I mean, it, it kind of hurts a little bit, but the two logical options were uh, Desclafani and Bailey. They're both hurt. Neither of them can do it. So then you have Feldman or Arroyo, who hasn't pitched in the majors in a couple of years. Or you have someone who might as well be brand new. Oh, Brent, um, well, Brandon Finnegan can be thrown in that mix, too. That's who, that's who yeah, I would probably yeah, go with. No, you're right. I totally forgot about Finnegan. I don't know why it wouldn't be Finnegan, actually. That's that's actually what's – I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I spaced on that. That's what's weird is that it wouldn't be Finnegan. I understand not putting any of the rookie pitchers or effectively rookie pitchers out there. Right. But, yeah, I don't know why Feldman over Finnegan unless things just line up a particular way and that's what they wanted to do. But, um, yeah, but, I would – But I get it over some of the other, other kids and – uh, but that's where I sort of wanted to go. Was that uh, this week at Red Lake Nation, uh, Steve Mancuso, one of our one of our other guys at Red Lake Nation, wrote a piece about uh, what he called the filthy five. And, and the premise of the piece, and I encourage you to go to redlegnation.com and read that. Um, and I'll try to remember to link that into the show notes here. But uh, the premise is, if the Reds really had any sense, or if they wanted to create some excitement, I, not if they have any sense, because I think we all agree that the current uh, front office does have plenty of sense. If the Reds really wanted to create some excitement about the rebuild and about the fact that we're not really rebuilding anymore, we're we're on the ascension here, the Reds should put Scott Feldman in the bullpen and should start the filthy five uh, in the in the rotation. By which I mean pick five, whichever five you want, but pick five of the young kids. And uh, we're talking about, uh, in no particular order, Cody Reed, Robert Stevenson, Rookie Davis, Amir Garrett, uh, Sal Romano, Brandon Finnegan. Um, I think that's all of them. Pick pick five of those guys and roll with them. Um, certainly until uh, Discofani and, and Homer gets get back. And, and, and the idea there is that, you know, you pick whichever one you want for opening day, but you're telling uh, you're, you're telling Reds fans, look at this group of pitchers. We're giving it we're giving it to them, and it's time to start getting excited about what the future holds. What are your thoughts about that? What the, about that idea? I both like it and completely disagree with it. Um, and like it's fun and it sounds fun and in in the abstract, I like it. But my issue with it basically is this: that in in a real sense, in a day to day major league pitching staff. Um, None of those guys is anything like what we would call established at this point. And so in a day-to-day pitching staff, you, you need some guys, some veterans who you can tell them, 
you know, when your bullpen gets depleted or whatever, you're going seven today. Like, you go out there and you make sure that you get seven innings or six at least or whatever. And you can't do that with a kid who's still trying to establish himself in the majors because if he overthinks it or whatever happens and he goes out there and he gets shelled, what do you do? You leave him out there for seven? Okay, well, no, you don't. And then your bullpen is even more spent. Whereas, you know, Arroyo and Feldman, I'm sure, both understand what their job is and what they're there for. And if you tell them... If you tell Bronson Arroyo, go throw seven innings, he may give up 17 runs, but he'll get you seven innings. Um, you know, and, and I think I think that's why. I think that's why the Reds can't do that. As much as I would like them to, in theory, um, I think it would overall be an unwise baseball decision. Well, you know, I think you're right. You know, you're not going to be able to find five guys that are necessarily 100% ready for the big leagues, although I think most of those guys probably are. Um, but, but the way I look at it is, and I'm, I'm the same way. First of all, it'll never happen. But in terms of a thought experiment, we're talking a couple months until Di Stefani and Homer Bailey return. And so, uh, you know, take that couple of months where we're going to struggle anyway. Uh, who are you putting the young guy in ahead of? Scott Feldman and Bronson Arroyo. Um, you know, for a couple of months, give them some, uh, give them innings, give them a chance to uh, pitch in, in the big leagues. Give them a chance to get some experience and some maturity facing actual big league hitters in real games, unlike spring training. And I mean, I can I can see the value in it. the The fact of the matter is, it's not going to happen. Uh, there's no no chance it's going to happen, frankly. Um, but you know what? I think I would. Uh, I think I'd sign the petition to do this. I, you know, if we're talking just a couple of months, uh, I, I don't know. I like it. Well, we can we can agree to disagree on this one, Chad. I think you got to have at least one or two guys in there who've got at least a, a good couple seasons under their belts, and you know, you know what you're getting. Because boy, you know, you can't have too much pitching, and there's no such thing as a pitching prospect, and all of those baseball aphorisms. Jason, Jason Lennon, if you ever disagree with me again, you'll never get invited back to this podcast. Oh man, I got to find more ways to disagree with you. <laughs> yes, please do. Absolutely. No, I mean you're right. I mean I'm not necessarily arguing with you. So, so if that that's not going to happen and if we're stuck with Scott Feldman as your opening day starter, uh who is your starting five to begin the year? Um I would probably go based on sort of what I've seen um Knowing that you've got Feldman, Feldman, Finnegan are obvious. Um, I would go Garrett, Reed, and then the last spot comes down to Romano and Arroyo, depending on how bold you want to be. Garrett, so you're saying uh, Garrett or Feldman, Finnegan, yeah, Garrett, Reed, and whoever. Well, not whoever. I mean, not not whoever. I think Romano or Arroyo. Right, I, I, right. Well, right. Um, Interesting. Okay. Every time we'll note, we'll note the absence of a certain highly touted prospect on that list. I, I do note his absence, and I think there's a reason for that. Uh, you've seen you've seen plenty of that young man last year uh, in person, right? I yeah, I have. And you know, the thing I think I've said it on here before, but the thing I've said to people is that you know Garrett and Reed weren't perfect. They had bad days, but they had days, they had holy crap days too. And I never saw a holy crap, crap day out of Robert Stevenson. Um, you know, and I mean, kids had the same problem for, since he was drafted, he's had exactly the same problem since he was drafted. 
Like his walk rate has budged barely at all. Um, you know, he's had a totally fine spring, but he hasn't had a, a unless I've missed something, a blow you away spring. Um, in the way that I feel like, I feel like Garrett and Reed have both really turned some heads this year. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I think I think at this point he's got to prove it. He's got to prove that he can fix what he needs to fix before I'm giving him a spot in my rotation. Yeah. Okay. Well, if we and I and I get that, and frankly, probably agree with that. If we're saying Feldman and Finnegan, and every time I say Scott Feldman's name, I think Jimmy Haynes in my head, or uh, you know Joey Hamilton, or one of these other. Uh, I, I just think about that one episode of Seinfeld. Feldman. <laughs> Yeah, that was the uh, the episode with the Bizarro Jerry. Yes. Um, so Feldman or Jimmy Haynes or Paul Wilson or whatever his name is, and Brandon Finnegan are locks. It looks like at this point. So I I probably go Amir Garrett as well, and I want to talk about him just a tiny bit more specifically in just one moment. And I know there's the service time issues with Amir Garrett. Whatever. I'm telling you who I think should be in the rotation. I'm not the guy that's going to have to you know, put out the money for him at the end that for that extra year of his contract. So I'm going to assume that I have the money to spend on him and I'm not going to worry about this service time nonsense. So I go Garrett. I think I go Garrett and Reed as well in those last two, because I just, I, I, you know, I'm, I've become a big fan of uh, Sal Romano certainly. And rookie Davis has really opened my eyes. Um, but in terms of yeah. just sheer upside, Garrett and Reed are your next two. Again, they're not the, the most highly touted, uh, at least traditionally haven't been the last few years. Robert Stevenson has been the guy in the Reds organization, but I see Garrett and Reed as having the highest um, ceiling uh, of those guys. And then I think I go with Arroyo with the last guy only because I absolutely adore watching Bronson Arroyo pitch. And it would be really uh, fun. Actually, if I had my uh, choice, I'd put Michael Lorenzen in there too, but for whatever reason, the Reds aren't even considering him in the rotation. So I think I go Arroyo, Oh, wow. I can't believe I'm saying that. Bronson Arroyo back again. Don't call it a comeback. I mean, you know, Bronson's going to be fun. Um, you know, I think one of the benefits to Arroyo is there's no ego there at this point, I don't feel like. Um, he knows what he's there for. He knows he's a temporary solution. He's willing to mentor guys. You know, I can't, I mean, can you imagine Bronson Arroyo griping if they were like, okay, we're calling up a new kid and sticking you in the bullpen? Oh, of course not, no. No, he'd be like, all right, like, of course you're doing that. Um, you yeah, know. I think he knows he's living on borrowed time at this point, and any other, any more major league service time he gets is just gravy. Yeah, yeah, so, and Arroyo's fun. I, you know, like I, like I said, I can see, I, Rookie Davis was somebody I've forgotten who has had a really outstanding spring, but, you know, I can see a case for Romano or Davis, but I would probably, if you forced me to pick right now, put Arroyo in because, uh, you know, Romano and Davis don't really, Romano doesn't have any experience above double A and, and Davis has just kind of a few triple A starts. And, you know, um, no one is, no one at all is giving up on Robert Stevenson who, uh, you know, he's only 24 years old still, um, Plenty of time for him to become the guy that we all hoped and expect that he would be. But uh, you know, the, the flip side of that coin is uh, it's not inconceivable that before long, Sal Romano and Rookie Davis ha- would uh, eclipse Stevenson in the Reds' plans because they, they do continue to look good and their velocity continues to rise. Sal Romano in particular to me is a guy that's just – he didn't have a good uh, game today, I don't think, but his velocity's up. He's got good off-speed stuff. Uh, he's a guy that has really worked his way into the Reds' plans over the last uh, 12 months. So it would be interesting to see when the Reds do need a new uh, uh, starting pitcher 
who the first one they're going to bring up will be of, of that group. Uh, it, it may not be Stevenson as we all expect. Yeah, it will. I mean, and you know, it is at least to some extent an embarrassment of riches. Um, it's just a matter of kind of playing things out and, and seeing, you know, then there are going to be a lot of guys on various and innings limits and things like that. So I'm sure most everybody is going to, who is in position to get a shot is going to get a shot at some point this year. Yeah, I think so too. That's the way it works. Now, uh, just quickly uh, shifting out to the bullpen. This week I, I, I wrote at Red Lake Nation, what's going on with, with Roselli Iglesias? And Roselli Iglesias to me is the most talented pitcher in this organization. Uh, he can't stay healthy enough to be a starter. I get that, but I I, I just he's I've always called him Bronson Royo with stuff. He changes arm angles and stuff like Bronson Royo does, but he he's got he's got actual stuff. But uh, this week, a couple of small tidbits in the Inquirer. One, oh, he's having a um, some soreness in his elbow, and then he's having back problems. And uh, then a couple of days later, we get the he has an MRI, and I'm like, oh my goodness, MRI on the elbow. Here we go again. Di Scalfani, uh, Homer Bailey, all over again. The MRI showed that there was a bone bruise in his right elbow, but no structural dam- damage. And whether or not he's going to be ready for opening day, uh, may or, may or may not be. Uh, in, in question. Did you miss the story today about how he actually I'm leading up to that. I was going to set that one on a tee for you, Jason. Okay. Uh, then today, as you said, we find out how did he get hurt? Is it, you know, is he, is it, is he going to need Tommy John? Is it, did he hurt at throwing something? And tell us, Jason, how Rizel Iglesias hurt his back and elbow. Well, let's just say he probably needs to put something with more friction on the bottom of his shower because apparently he slipped and fell. Slipped in the shower. And got hurt. And yeah. Uh, yeah, my buddy Wick Terrell, who writes for Red Reporter, I think put it uh, best. He said, this is absolutely the best news the Reds could have gotten on Iglesias. Uh, you know, it the, really is. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's a fluke. It's not something structural, and it's not something that's going to be long-term, you would hope. No, yeah. it's he, You know, I mean, who among us hasn't gotten a stupid injury in a stupid way? Um, we all have. It's more embarrassing when you're a major league pitcher and, you know, work is throwing a baseball instead of going in and being like oh yeah you'll never believe how i sprained my ankle when you're in the office on tuesday (laughs) like you know it's 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 goofy and silly but it's also probably not bad news i mean maybe he misses opening day but uh yeah whatever he'll be fine it sounds like in the long term everything will be okay well you know i started hearing they're going to send him for an mri and you know tenderness in his elbow or whatever i'm thinking oh my goodness we can't not him again, especially since the, since he's gotten injured the last couple of years. He's a, uh, I don't don't want to say he's fragile, but he certainly ha- does have an injury history. As I thought, oh, please no, not Tommy John or something like that. I always yeah. want to think the worst, and um, it really, it, for the first time in a while, it wasn't the worst case scenario. So outstanding. Yeah, yeah. And I was having all of the same thoughts, like, oh no, oh no, oh no, oh no. And yeah, turned out no, it wasn't. Uh, let me mention before we before we wrap up here because we are going to go ahead and uh, and call this an, an evening since it took us uh, you know three hours to get logged on to do this, Jason. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna name one guy here uh, that I think is going to make the uh, opening day roster that no one almost no one would have predicted when spring training started. Uh, I don't know if there's anyone else we can say that about maybe Ryan Rayburn or somebody, but the guy I'm I'm gonna say is. Barrett Aston, relief pitcher, right-handed relief pitcher. And uh, this guy, turns out, uh, has all kinds of crazy stuff. He's really good. I think he's going to make the opening day bullpen, and uh, I didn't I didn't see that one coming. Uh, anyone you think we're going to be surprised about on the opening day roster? 
not the beats your prediction, man. <laughs> well, come on. Again, uh, I'm the best. No, I mean, as I said, it seems pretty conventional to, to me. Like, like I said, I've been a little bit out of the loop for for a few days here, but yeah, I mean, if 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 he if Aston makes it, then that will easily be the most surprising thing. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if there was a little non-roster shuffling. Um, you know, there's been some talk about. You know, I wrote a piece today about um, Ernani Rabarin, um, but he's not coming out of left field totally for everybody. People got familiar with him last year. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. I, th- I think we'll we we shall see. Well, Eri Barron, yeah, it's not not as crazy a, a prediction as Barrett Aston, but uh, as you said today, Eri Barron fits what we were talking about with Arroyo a little while ago, which is you know um, having Eri Barron on, on the bench, you know, maybe the twenty fifth guy on the end of the bench. Um, first of all, it's not a charity case. He can actually play. He can play a lot of positions and he can hit, even though he's thirty three. But or thirty four, whatever he's going to be this year. But uh, it's just fun. It's fun having that guy. He's a great story. He's a good guy. Um, and and also like Arroyo, there's no ego there. At least not in a bad way. Um, you, yeah. You know, like like when I talked to him last year, like the extent of his ego was, I can still hit a ninety five mile per hour fastball, which he can, and I feel like I can be a utility player in the majors. Like, you know, he wasn't like, I feel like somebody needs to give me a starting job at second base or anything like that. Like, he's aware of who he is and where he's at in his career. So, you know, and then, the you know, as I said, I'm just kind of reiterating my piece, but the role he potentially has as a mentor to some of the younger players, I think, is, is also not to be uh, overlooked. And, and like you said in your piece as well, everybody should go read that uh, too. He's a guy who, you talk about no ego, he knows that he used to be a, a, a big-time prospect, and he kind of squandered it, and he's just trying to squeeze every ounce of uh, value out of his career that he can, whether that's uh, by being a, a role player, uh, getting a hit off the bench, or mentoring young guys and, and cautioning them from making some of the mistakes he made. Seems to me like a guy that could be valuable, especially when you talk about Spanish speaker uh, in that clubhouse. Seems like a guy that I... It would make a lot of sense for the Reds. Not on the field, he'll be able to handle a bench spot, but also off yeah. the field, he brings a li- little bit more value to the organization than maybe, you know, uh, I think Patrick Kivelahan or somebody might make the team. But and that's not to put off on Kivelahan, who could be a good bench piece, but that just provides a little bit of value. Yeah, so. I, I agree totally, and and is by all accounts just and I put myself in this category. He is utterly impossible not to root for. Just the nicest man in the world. Well, besides me, of course. No, the nicest man. Oh, ouch. Ouch. All right, well, I guess that's about it. Uh, you've been watching the, the March Madness, Jason? Um, I do not follow the college boys. Oh, it's madness, and let me tell you. I've heard that it is mad. It is mad. And I was pretty mad when my team got knocked out. Well, um, you're used to that, though. Ah, Okay. Well, this has been Jason Linden's final appearance on the Red Leg Nation Radio podcast. Uh, I'm Chad Dotson. I appreciate each of you listening to us uh, once again. I don't know why you waste your time downloading and listening to us, but uh, believe me, we do appreciate that. Uh, we appreciate each and every one of you. Uh, you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, wherever you find podcasts, you'll be able to find uh, Red Leg Nation Radio. I think if, if you could go on iTunes, give us a rating, give us a review, uh, it really would uh, appreciate. I really would appreciate that. It really helps us get out to a wider audience. Tell your friends, uh, anybody that might be interested in the Reds and might want to listen to us in the car or on their uh, on their daily walk or or, or whatever. Uh, but the the rule remains in place. Uh, if you like us, talk about us. 
If you don't like us, keep your mouth shut. Jason, any final thoughts about the uh, Cincinnati Reds? Um, I have no final thoughts about the Cincinnati Reds, except that I think they will play baseball 162 times this year. At the very least. I don't know how many games it'll take for them to get to the World Series, but so it may be more than that. But um, Okay, we'll be thinking about some more things to talk about the uh, the Reds, Jason. I may let you uh, join me again very, very soon, possibly even this uh, coming week, to talk more about the Cincinnati Reds. Uh, thank you all again for Jason Linden. This is Chad Dotson saying so long, everyone. Thanks for listening to Red Leg Nation Radio from RedLegNation.com. Subscribe to Red Leg Nation Radio on iTunes or through your favorite podcast app. And join us for discussion of all things Reds at RedLegNation.com. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week.